Welcome to Strength for Today's Pastor, conversations with current senior pastors and leaders which will strengthen and help you in your pastoral ministry. And now, here's your host, Bill Holdridge of Poyman Ministries. Welcome to podcast number 131, and we are here with Pastor Mark Walsh via Zoom. Mark is right now in the UK where he and his wife Gwen live. And so we're happy to have him on board with us. He's got an interesting life that God has led him into. He and his wife have traveled extensively, and they are serving and strengthening pastors and leaders in order to strengthen their churches. Mark, welcome to the program. It's really great to have you. Hi, good to be here with you. Yeah. So you're coming up on one year back in the UK, February 13, you mentioned, is the date of your actual re-arrival in the UK. And you also have mentioned that you have done four continent moves in the last 25 years. That's amazing. Just talk about that a little bit, your your journeys, your sojourning and all of that. It's, it's part of what uh, the Lord has led you to do. Yeah, well, we... Um... It depends how you define continent. I always think of Europe as a continent compared to the UK, but I'm sure that's geographically may not be appropriate in the minds of everybody else. But uh, we grew up in the area that we now live. We we live in the, uh, the north of England, in the Leeds and Bradford area. And we, my wife and I, left here in 1998 uh, with two kids that were, uh, Jordan was at that point about, three and a half, four years old, and Becky was about 18 months old. And uh, we moved to Austria, and we were there at the serving with the team at the castle there for four years, and then we moved. We were part of the move, moving that particular ministry to um, Vita in Central uh, Eastern Europe in about two and a half hours south of Budapest. And we were there for eight years, and then we moved down to the South Pacific Rim and we moved to New Zealand with a view to start uh, Calvary Chapel's Bible College in that area of the world. And we did. We started um, a ministry called Calvary Chapel Bible Institute. Um, and that is still a ministry that is active today. And uh, we've been doing that for 13 years. And over the last couple of years, particularly, you, you have the environment of COVID, which has changed uh, everybody's reality a great deal. Um, it became apparent to us that with my mum getting a little bit older and with uh, our borders at that point in New Zealand were completely closed, so we were unable to have students, that this would be a good time to come back to the UK and just to make sure my mum was okay and continue to be involved in ministry so with a view of being here in Europe for a season and that season initially has been we always do things for two years uh, we've learned over the, the different moves that we've done that for the first year you you at least the first year of you're adjusting and trying to work out how to do ministry I mean not even how to do ministry, but how to live in a country and then in the second year you begin to actually engage probably a little bit more fruitfully 
And so we've, we've always dealt with everything on the basis of doing everything for two years. And we don't evaluate before that because it's just too messy with your emotions and everything else and adjustments. So we always evaluate things after two years. So we went to Austria for two years and stayed four. We went to Hungary for two years and stayed for eight. We went to New Zealand for two years and stayed for 13. So, um, and we're currently in the UK. We've just been about a year. So this is, this is an interesting dynamic because we're English. Um, we also have uh, New Zealand citizenship, but we haven't lived in the United Kingdom for basically 25 years. And so it's changed. We've changed. So it, it's quite an interesting uh, adjustment. At the same time, we, our kids uh, are actually now sort of 29 and 27. And they're based in still in New Zealand with Jordan pastoring a Calvary Chapel in Auckland and Becky married to the youth pastor of a Calvary in Mount Manganui that we helped to plant. So praise the Lord. Thank you so much, Lord, because for your faithfulness, because they're they're following you and they're they're in the ministry. But but we are at the opposite end of the earth from them. And uh, that that's that's interesting because my definition of home was during the time we were outside England was very much home is where the kids are, where we as a family were situated. And this is the first time sort of in history then for us, the definition no longer works because we're in England and they're in New Zealand. And so that's, that's a challenge. That's a challenge. But uh, I think the one central point of security is that we firmly believe that the Lord has us here. Well, we want to we want to talk about that. We I want you to dive into that, but before before we do that, just on the lighter side, Mark, you you were in New Zealand for 13 years. I want you to give it a go and give us a short version of your best Kiwi accent because you're speaking with a British accent. Do you have one? <laughs> Uh, well, no, my accent's just really screwed up, and it's screwed up because um, I think because they're speaking different languages. But the Kiwi accent isn't really an accent; it's actually they they pronounce vowels differently, uh, and with that, they also have a style of speech which is different in the sense that they turn everything into a question. Ah. So Kiwis, Kiwis will say. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Hey, yeah, right. And they'll things like, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, no, yeah, nah, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> and they understand that. Okay. They understand that was a yes, not a no. <laughs> and they, they tend to change the E vowel to an I. So Ben becomes Bin and Ten becomes Tin. Okay. And they put A on the end of every sentence. So, uh, yeah, my accent's just messed up. I think all from right, speaking different right. languages. So, um, so that that's as good as it's going to get from a from a Kiwi accent from me. Okay. Um, it tends to be more that they use different words and Maori words which come into the culture. Yeah. And they, and they they sound vowels differently. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And, and I wouldn't I wouldn't honestly expect most people to identify the difference between a Kiwi and an Aussie accent. Okay, yeah, but we would, we would, we we would think that's very important to us because Australia is just a small, messy island to the left of us in the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> um, that's that, that's our view. Who are inferior at rugby? 
Yeah, yes. that's that's generally the New Zealand view. Yes, yes, I, <laughs> I can imagine the competition there. So back to what you were saying, you know, you're you're back in the UK. Interesting dynamic. Your your two kids are in New Zealand still. It's a new season for you, an interesting season. But you you mentioned that you know you and Gwen know that you're supposed to be in the UK. How did you know? Uh, how did the Lord show that to you? How did you come to that conclusion? Well, I, I think for us, guidance has always been a basket of of different things. It's involved things from the Word. It's involved counsel. It's involved evidence of God's leading through circumstances. It, it's it's been a combination for us. The the primary sense of calling upon our lives has always been to make disciples and so 2 timothy 2 verse 2 has always been central to everything we do and so we run the rule of that over it these things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses commit to faithful men who will teach others also and we run the rule of that over everything that we get to do and it's interesting that one of one of the primary verses that the lord has used in my life over or literally all my life since I got saved is John fifteen sixteen, which it says you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and to bear fruit that, that your fruit would remain. And to, to me, when Jesus is speaking to the disciples there, he isn't speaking about the fruit of the spirit because you don't have to go anywhere to bear the fruit of the spirit. So there was a sense in which there was a going and there was a bearing the fruit as a result of the going. And, and it's not, it's not, um, inconsequential that in chapter 17 that the high priestly prayer he mentions the disciples in some form they us them by some denotation i think 26 times in 24 verses so for us it's always been going and being part of contributing into people's lives that that being said I think there's probably three streams of that tied together to, to help with this particular decision to, to relocate back to the UK for a season. But one was my mum was a little bit sick at the end of would have been sort of November 2021. And at the, at the age of sort of 89, that's significant. She doesn't have any of the relatives. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm the only son. So that was an, an element of having been away for 25 years, that was an element of importance to us. You know, we, we want to care for her. Combined with that, school was, residential Bible school is, is currently closed and was closed because of the pandemic. And so we talked with our board um, about would this be a good time to take time out to be in Europe to make sure mum's okay and everything else. And along with that, then I, I actually reached out to yourselves and the guys at Poyman about, you know, the possibility of helping in Europe with Poyman because that's basically everything we've done under 2 Timothy 2 verse 2 and John fifteen sixteen, And all of those three things really came together in that sense of now this is a good time one for my mum, two, the ministry in New Zealand and the board were very happy with that and the opportunity to serve in this season to invest in the kingdom and, and invest in particularly in pastors and their wives and elders, senior leadership with a view to 
ultimately helping to strengthen those that are in leadership. So those three sort of strands together gave us that 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 sense of well if this is the time to do it let's start stepping in faith and see what the lord does and and having done that um we still uh remain as missionaries we still raise our own support and uh you know, we're in the uk and the lord's providing for us and he's giving us opportunity so it it, it seems very very much the, the the season that the lord has for us mm-hmm. um so th- those are probably three of the the sort of aspects to this which the Lord has spoken to us and confirmed it. But that's that's primarily probably the three stamp strands there. Yeah, I love that. It's it's real consistent with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know, where yeah. we trust in the Lord. We don't lean to our own understanding. We acknowledge Him in all our ways. We have ways. We have thoughts. We have plans that make sense. And then we commit it to Him, and then He makes our paths straight. So I love that. Thanks for... Thanks for that explanation. That makes a lot of sense. So I want to move from from that question, Mark, to the question of revitalization. It's really at the heart of what Poyman Ministries is about. We want to see churches that are healthy. Some churches need to be revitalized. Some churches need to be structured differently. Some churches need to be developed further. I mean, a lot of different situations, obviously, but uh, let's talk about revitalization. And before, before I let you dive in here, I want to refer to something that Tom Rayner here in the States, he's involved with the Southern Baptist Convention, and he has a leadership network and whatever. And he mentioned that in his research, and as far as he can tell, and this was several years ago, there were as many as 300,000 churches in the USA that needed revitalization. And that number just really struck me hard. Three is that if that's true, three hundred thousand churches, then boy, that's what we ought to be aiming at. So let's talk about this. What if you if you think about revitalization, what comes into your mind? What does that look like to you? And how does that differ from the idea of just developing a church further? I'm not I'm not sure I, I particularly have a a clever answer to to define those things i mean i can share from my observations which at this point span south pacific rim a lot of europe as well as being on the flying wall turning up in the states every now and again but one of the things that i think is very present is the need to support and minister to to encourage and strengthen senior leadership. Because the premise is very simple, and, and that's it. If you can strengthen the pastor and his wife or the elders, the senior leadership and their wives, you will strengthen the church. And ultimately, if they're refreshed in their ministry in the Lord, then that will directly affect the church mm-hmm. and the health of the church. And... You know, some of that falls into revitalization in the sense of there are transitions to take place across senior leadership. You know, we we tend to see a lot of older pastors ultimately 
there's a point of then transitioning to a younger team or your younger pastor. Um, some groups tend to be very good at that. Some tend to be not very good at that. Um, but ultimately, that there is that sense of the refreshing and revitalization that comes through uh, transition. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's important. Yeah. And transitions are interesting because they best transitions seem to be managed. And the time scale is, is never one of those things that never seems to be simple in terms of it never seems to be consistent. But but the idea and thought of intentionally looking to raise up men to take on ministry, to then be released into ministry, either within the the the, the, the place that they're raised up or then given away to do other ministry that's fine in new zealand it was very much a case of through bible school we managed to raise up senior leadership for every one of the calvary chapels in new zealand except for one so we've managed to actually raise up and establish pastors or their assistants or their youth pastors or worship leaders to come into those churches to be ministering people and uh, I think the effect of that has been to bring so much more stability and richness to the ministry. And, and that's, that's probably the legacy of Bible school at this point in time within South Pacific Rim anyway. And to me as well, there's this sense of revitalization actually comes from going out and planting churches. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, what you're talking about describing the Bible Institute in New Zealand, it it's real similar to what's going on in the States. It's relatively new within Calvary Chapels. It's called the Calvary Bible Institute. It's a one-year program, and their stated goal is to place every student in vocational ministry. So because that's their goal, that's how they develop their program, and they aim at that, and they're hitting the target really really consistently and campuses are springing up at different parts of the world which is really exciting and that's what you were doing in New Zealand such a need it really is a need would to god that you know the local church would always have that passion to develop leaders themselves but sometimes it's not practical and sometimes they're understaffed and sometimes yeah. you know there there's yeah. just a need so that's exciting. So revitalization. So as you travel into Europe and around the UK, uh, what are you seeing? Are you seeing, in your experience, um, the need for revitalization or more the need for restructuring or development? Or maybe there isn't a difference? Mm, that's a good question. I think I think there is definitely... Probably both are needs, and and I'm thinking, kind of thinking out loud as I, as I serve with different churches across Europe and into, um, and into the UK. And if I just look at the ministry that I've been involved in the last year, if you look at the character of that ministry, it actually involves both aspects of the ministry you've described. There's the the practical side of in some cases, just very practical, structural, organizational development machinery that needs to be developed to help with 
um, the growth of the church and the support of the ministry in the church. There's definitely thoughts and um, intentional intentionality around the issue of succession. You know, some of the some of the churches I'm involved with, there's definitely a recognition that you know the next generation, who's going to step up, who's going to take this forward, who's going to take the baton in the next phase of ministry. There's definitely transitions taking place where you have all the pastors who faithfully served for a significant period of time and now in that process of handing over or actually handing over to a younger team. And then often for that younger team, there is that development of machinery and development that's needed around supporting their ministry. So you have the revitalization of, of new leaders coming into play and supporting and strengthening and then those new leaders actually needing help in the developmental side to actually undergird God's calling for them to go forward and make a difference um look, looking at it from just the last year and the things I've been involved in working in in Scandinavia in Germany in Austria in the UK uh, and in New Zealand as well it, it is a mixture of those two elements. There is certainly a commitment to developmental, and then there is certainly that sense of revitalization through new leadership coming forward and transition. Well, that makes sense. I, I don't know that much about ministry in Europe. I just know that the churches aren't typically mega churches at all. They're, they tend yeah. to be smaller, and yeah. a church of 100 is considered a stable, good-sized church, I mean, all of that. And, and that's, that's inconsequential to our discussion because the size of a church... I love what, what uh, you know, one author says, you know, he doesn't call them small churches any longer, he calls them normal-sized churches because yeah. that, in reality, is the normal-sized church. But you described yourself, Mark, as a missionary, and you are indeed a missionary, and... Here we are, and you know what we haven't talked about yet in this discussion is the fact that there is a desire to start Poiman Europe, Poiman Ministries Europe, and I'm completely on board with that idea. But for the for the guy that's listening to this, the maybe even the retiring pastor or the guy that is going to be transitioning out of his, his fellowship, like you are describing, what what are you looking for? in that type of a person, if he and his wife would want to come and, and join the work, because the, the need is great, as you've pointed out to me in previous conversations, the need is great in Europe, and the need is great in the United States as well. So what are you looking for? Is there room for uh, that type of uh, help from the states, or are they more aptly able to serve Poyman by just short-term snippets of ministry? I don't know. Long question. Uh, just go ahead and, and share your thoughts. I, th I think a lot of the ministry that we do as Poyman in Europe at this point in time is very simply practically filling gaps. And so the, 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 the mantra, strengthening pastors to strengthen churches, is the undergirding, undergirding fundamental thought. 
the expression of what that looks like on a daily basis for me personally is wildly different. So that can go from uh, a mentoring conversation with somebody in Eastern Europe where what they what what's helping them from that conversation is they just need a sounding board mm. and they need a sounding board outside their immediate fellowship and and actually sometimes a sounding board outside a US context because the European they're in Europe and Europeans think about things differently mm-hmm. and so to talk to a European sometimes actually is 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 it's easier because you understand the context a little bit more everything from a mentoring conversation like that to uh, practically coming alongside and uh, doing a conference, whether it's a men's conference, something that will undergo to support the pastor in that sense, Gwyn doing a ladies' conference, to uh, working very specifically with one or two worship leaders to help them grow in their development so they can serve and undergird the, the ministry of the pastor in that sense, to teaching uh a, a, a more structured spiritual leadership course within uh, a couple of churches uh, to working with a couple of pastors who are in um, quite small fellowships, you know, 15, 20, 30 people who are not in that place where they can, they have lots of staff. Um, and so they're having to manage and uh, all the different components of ministry. And with that comes very simple things like, like, how do I manage my time better? How do I get better at organizing, administrating these things? It'd be great if I had somebody who could do it, but I don't. I need to do it. So how can I get better at these things and still be able to prepare for Sunday? Um, and along with simply filling the pulpit to give somebody a break or a sabbatical or actually working on a transition. So it looks wildly different. The, ver- the very... That that statement, uh, strengthening pastors to strengthen churches, is simple, but it's not simplistic. And, w- and with it, it, it's wildly different. So I, I think in terms of Poyman Europe, the next thing for us is to ultimately start recruiting a team to serve. And I think there are, there is several components to that that will be that are helpful. Um, one is if there are people who are in Europe who are in the position where they can go, they can spend time, they can take on an assignment um, within their nation and beyond be available. I think that's fantastic. Short term coming and supporting and filling a pulpit or helping is good because one of the, one of the primary determiners in many ways for somebody coming and serving in Europe is you, you, don't have an automatic right to reside here if you're from somewhere else other than Europe. And so you may encounter the situation of, of visas. And so you may be somebody who has a European passport that lives somewhere else in the world and you have the right to reside here and you can get involved on a longer term basis. For some, they don't necessarily have that opportunity. And so the ability to come and do a week or two weeks or to cover for three or four weeks would is a great opportunity and a great skill. So I think those are some of the components that are important. So let's talk about the man and his wife that, that come over to help, whether it's short term or whether they have a European passport uh, or not. Uh, what, what is that man and his wife, what do they need to be like? Obviously 
as you said, Europeans don't think like uh, North Americans, uh, different mindsets, different ways of approaching things. What are the adjustments that somebody from the States needs to make in order to be effective in serving uh, with Poyman in Europe? I think, I think it's, it's a ministry that suits people who already have had some missions, either short-term or longer-term, missions experience in other parts of the world with different cultures. Because the mantra isn't it's it's not better, it's not worse, it's just different. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think that experience of being in, say, gone on short-term trips and being or served or being connected or being connected, supporting missions in other parts of the world and the awareness that comes with that is then a very helpful skill to suddenly, when you suddenly find yourself in um, Eastern Europe and you've been offered something to eat that is very different from what you would want or you would like and, you know, you eat it because that's what you do. And and to hope, so I think there's an element of cultural awareness, which is good to have. I certainly think experience in the ministry is is invaluable and a desire ultimately to serve. So the pastor of a church in the U.S. that is pastoring maybe 500 people and they come over to Europe or to the U.K., they're not going to be working with pastors that have that many people in attendance typically. Uh, So they're going to have to downsize their expectations and just work with the, the, the leaders, like you say, and, and strengthen them, let the Holy yeah. Spirit do yeah. what he wants to do in and through that, that group. And, 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 it's, and it's wonderful if anybody is in that place that wants to come and serve. Yeah. It, it is just an adjustment of a mindset, though, to deal with the fact that if you come from a place where you have 12, 15, 20, 45 people on staff uh, and you have your own building, to then be able to come alongside somebody who has 15 to 20, 30 people who meet in a home or meet in a council building in an environment where the church is not known or not familiar. It doesn't have a budget. Maybe the church is, uh, the pastor is bivocational. The aim is to be there to support and encourage them and encourage them in the Lord in their context. And and that might look wildly different from the context we come from. And I think for anybody who any if anybody is able to surmount that sense of where I come from, then I, I think there's no problem at all. Sounds like there's great open doors, tremendous opportunities, yeah. so many needs. Um, because it's hard. Pastoral ministry is hard. If it wasn't if it wasn't hard, anybody could do it, <laughs> but only the called and the, and the ones that, you know, pers- persevere and learn and grow are the ones that are going to uh, bear the fruit that remains like you're talking about earlier. So, Mark, we're, we're not in a place where Poyman Europe is a legal entity yet, but that's that's going to be forthcoming uh, sometime in the future, but it's already happening. You're doing Poyman Europe and there are others who are doing Poyman-esque Europe type things and you're the you're going to be the captain you already are the team captain for Poyman Ministries in Europe so how can someone who's interested in being involved with what you're doing and what the Lord is doing through you and through Poyman 
in Europe and in the UK, how can they best get in touch with you? And what what are the steps from there? Well, I think generally the, the, the need is overwhelming. I mean, that, that's one of the things that you see when you're traveling around and just connecting with pastors is that the need to support and encourage is overwhelming. And that, that, that goes for the pastors, it goes for the pastors' wives, it goes for elders, folks in leadership. And sometimes it's very skill-specific. Sometimes it's they need help with a particular area of skill. Sometimes it's just somebody to talk to. It varies so much. But the, the need is, is very present and very overwhelming. We're looking to build a team that will uh, work uh, under the Poyman barrier with the, the banner to ultimately uh, strengthen pastors to strengthen churches. And that will ultimately, I would imagine, envisage or look like uh, several people who are connected with the ministry um, on a day-to-day basis. And it will look like some folks who are called upon, who come in with specialist skills at certain times, who can drop in and help to fill a gap in a particular place at a particular time, but aren't necessarily... Poem isn't necessarily the only thing they do. So I think both are going to be necessary. So in terms of anyone who, who has a heart to get involved in that and explore it further, probably the best thing to do initially is, is to contact myself. Um, and the best way to do that is probably by email. And uh, that email would be markwalsh at calvarychapel.com. And that would be the good place. That would be the first place to start. And then we can start on a a dialogue and a conversation and 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 have a begin to develop a team or a group of people who have different skills who who can call upon i know there are areas of skill gap that i have and if somebody needs help with something to be able to reach out to somebody who says well you could talk to this person here they're great at that they have great experience they could help and and i think that's that's where we start and i think the encouragement is that, that there's a, a sense that the lord has begun to establish this work, certainly through Bob and Jeannie Claycamp, who've done such fantastic work here, where standing on the sh- their shoulders in many ways, beginning to do um, a little bit more into Europe as well as the UK. But there's such a need. But that's the place that I would probably start. It okay. starts with a conversation, starts with a connection. Okay, that's that's easy enough, very clear. We'll trust the Holy Spirit to to do what he wants to do in and then through the lives of, of men and women who want to be involved. So, Mark, uh, as we wrap up this podcast episode, I'd like you just to share a brief one or two minute word of encouragement to pastors or uh, significant leaders working with pastors who are listening to this podcast. Like we said earlier, ministry is difficult. It's challenging. And so what word of encouragement would you have to bring? I think one of the the interesting challenges of being a missionary and a missionary pastor, or one of the things it highlights is always the sense of grass is greener somewhere else. And and it, and it's not it's not true. I mean that's that's the reality. It's just not true. And and I think sometimes when you you and I'm and I'm framing this in the in the sense of uh, a missionary experience because I think I think it's it's more easier to detect it in a missionary experience because you move from one country to another country you you miss that you see this you miss that you want that you like that it's not it's not what you wanted but that is 
the reality with this is, is a very simple principle. And it was said by um, Jim Elliot, and it's one of his quotes, probably not his most famous quote, but Jim Elliot said this, he said, wherever you are, be all there. And the encouragement to you as a pastor, as a senior leader, is you're in the place that God has called you. Be all there. Don't necessarily be enticed by thoughts of everything somewhere else and that it's easier or whatever. The enemy simply wants to move our eyes off the Lord onto anything, and it can be ourselves, it can be difficulties, it can be a better opportunity or whatever. But trust the Lord to lead. Psalm 138.8 says, He will complete the things that concern me. And my encouragement is hold the course. Hold the course. Wherever you are, be all there. And just one word of encouragement from, I'm going to read something to you, or I'm going to translate it because my Bible's not in English. <laughs> mm. And I don't have any. No, it's actually an Italian Bible, but I don't have an English one anywhere immediately next to me. So we will we'll just translate what it says in the Italian. And it's the end of Psalm 28. In Psalm 28, 8 and 9, it says, The Eternal is the strength of his people. He is, he is a saving refuge for his anointed. And the encouragement is, save your people, bless your inheritance, pastor and sustain them forever. Good word. The Eternal, God is our strength of his people. He is a refuge of salvation for his anointed. Save your people, bless your inheritance, pastor them, sustain them forever. Mm, excellent. Be all there. Be all there. It's a good work. Affecting human lives is a good work. Equipping saints for the work of ministry is a good work. Shepherding the people into Christ-likeness is a good work. So thank Amen. you. Thank you for that, Mark. I appreciate that. Well, thanks for joining us today in podcast number 131 of Strength for Today's Pastor. We've been with Pastor Mark Walsh, who is overseeing uh, currently the work of Poyman Ministries in Europe and in the UK as a missionary. And again, if you would like to get in touch with Mark about possible involvement yourself, then just email him at markwalsh at calvarychapel.com, markwalsh at calvarychapel.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us for any reason here, Poyman Ministries United States side, then just send out an email to strongerpastors at gmail.com, strongerpastors at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out our website. It's a new, uh, actually renovated version of our website, but you'll find descriptions of how we may serve and strengthen you, the senior pastor, the senior leader. And don't forget about our large library of podcasts, which some have called an online school of ministry, uh, put together as a collective group of podcasts. So that's all on the website as well. Then that website address is poymanministries.com, poymanministries.com. That's it. Well, thank you again, Mark, for joining us. It's been a pleasure, as always, to speak with you. And may the Lord continue to bless you and Gwen as you serve him there in Northern England and also in and throughout all of Europe. You're welcome. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to join you. Amen. Strength for Today's Pastor is sponsored by Poinman Ministries. You can find us at poinmanministries.com. That's spelled P-O-I-M-E-N ministries.com. 
If something in today's program prompts a question or comment, or if you have a topic idea for a future episode, just shoot us an email at strongerpastors at gmail.com. That's strongerpastors at gmail.com. May the Lord bless you as you serve Him, His pastors, and His church.